Good morning. How are you? Good. Good, good, good. Uh, will you grab that door, Jeff, as you come in? We, uh, we just want to welcome you this morning. This is our 10 o'clock class, class, coffee, and conversate. I've heard conversation. I see some coffee, and now let's, let's have some fellowship. Let's talk about the Lord, and afterwards, let's communicate and fellowship with one another. But uh, we just welcome you. Welcome anybody that might be watching this on archives or live. Welcome wherever you are in the world. And uh, we have been talking about healing. For the last uh, three or four weeks, actually. And what happened was we were talking about healing is in the atonement of Christ. And uh, so we talked about healings in the atonement. And then the next week we talked about hindrances to your healing. And when we hit hindrances to your healing, uh, the hands started shooting up. Like, I got a question. I got a question. I got a question. I got a question. And, uh, I, and I thought, that, to me, looks like a sign that we might need to stay on healing for just a little bit. And let's just go over the basics of what healing is, and uh, let's talk about that. So we started a couple weeks ago, and uh, we talked about healing is really a revelation of God's character. And when we do not accept God as a healer, then we are not accepting his character and nature. And uh, once you understand and you have revelation of healing is a character and nature of God, and somebody says God's not a healer, it's kind of attacking his goodness, you know. It's kind of attacking who he is. And, and I know uh, after I finally got to that place where I really saw God as a healer and somebody would say, God doesn't want to heal you, sometimes he will, sometimes he won't, I'd be like, oh, no, you're talking about my Lord, you know. Wait a minute, time out. And uh, so we looked at how God's character and his nature was good. And then one of the things you hear a lot in healing is you hear a lot of talk about God is sovereign. And sovereignty basically means God can do whatever he wants to do. And if he wants to do it, then uh, you know what? We are not the potter, we're the clay. And when does the clay tell the potter what to do? We don't. However, what we talked about is in his sovereignty, in his ability to say and do whatever he wants to, he declared himself a healer. He made statements all throughout the word that he's a healer. And what we looked at last week was in his sovereignty. Have you ever heard the scripture that said, let it be established by two or three witnesses? Right? Well, and that's talking about mankind. In other words, if I want a witness of something in court, if you just have one witness, is that enough really to get something passed? No, we even live by that today, something the Lord said. We need to have two or three witnesses of the same thing. We need, have, we need to have witnesses of the facts, witnesses of the truth. He's talking about men. So I could say, hey, Deb will give me a witness, and John will give me one, and Jeff will give me one, and that gives me a good idea of what actually happened. Unless they're conspiring together, and that's when I really lean on the Holy Spirit. So anyway, I, I had a situation like that one time. I had uh, three different people, and one person said it went this way, and two people said it went this way, and I, I had to go with the two people because that's the way that it looked, and it really helped me out because they, they saw it from different views, different perspectives. It, Help me to judge. Well, if people can be reliable as witnesses, as a, a standard that God's given us, how about himself? How about if we took the witness of the Father, 
the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so what we looked at last week was that the Father in the Old Testament declared, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Then Jesus, the Son, went about, and he went about healing all, right? He went about. And then we saw the testimony of the Holy Spirit, how the power of the healing nature of God was released when they preached the same word. And so they would, they would preach that Christ was the anointed Messiah, and all of a sudden people would start getting healed. So the power didn't just stop with the Father. It didn't just stop with Jesus. It didn't just stop with the apostles. And it showed how even in Revelation you have Jesus saying God's a healer. You have Luke in Acts saying God's a healer. You have Paul saying God's a healer. You have Peter saying God's a healer. These, this is Scripture that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we have three witnesses, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that God is a healer. When we start to look at that, we start to realize, okay, one thing's got to change. Either my thoughts about healing has to change, my thoughts, or God's changing. Well, guess which one? One's going to work and one's not. God's not going to change. He is who he is. He's established this. It's us that need to change. We're the ones who have missed it. And so we need to say, Lord, who are you really? And trust in him to show us who he is. And what he'll say and go back to, because he changes not, is I'm a healer. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I just wanted to run through these scriptures again. Uh, very interesting. Uh, we talked about that we need to understand God as two different things. Number one, God is love. If you boil down the whole Bible, you're going to come back down to God is love. This is a foundation. This should determine doctrine over your experience because experience can uh, seem tainted because there's so many variables that can influence an experience. God is love should be an absolute to us. Another one is that as uh, children of God and as believers in God we should have the faith of a child in other words we should be able to look at anything God says and as a child go I believe that you know and you think about it parents if you've ever uh, ever had kids you know, parents what you're seeing on your kids is when you tell them something you know they're two or three or four do they believe you yeah, yeah they do that's faith as a child. Now, see, that's not good if, if I say something and you just believe what I say. Because I'm a man, I have a flesh that's corrupted just like every other human on this, on this planet. Anything that I say has been run through uh, this mind, this flesh, the filter of the flesh. Now, I can renew the mind so that the things I say become more and more godly, all right? But it it has a chance to be tainted. So you shouldn't just grab a hold of everything I say. But if God says something, if we can go in his word and we can see that he says something or he speaks to your heart and it lines up with the character and nature of he is good, lines up with the nature of his word, then we ought to, as little children, just be, we can accept every bit of his goodness. There's nothing that we have to push away. So when we see God saying, 
I'm the Lord that healeth thee. We ought to, as a child, be accepting every piece of that. Not because I said it. My job as a preacher is to point you to what God said. And your job as a believer is to get in there and say, He did say that. Well, by golly, I'll believe it. You know, that's what we should be doing. Now, I want to read these scriptures again real quick. This is uh, the testimony part of Jesus that we read last week. So it's Matthew 15, uh, 26. He says, and he answered him. J Jesus said, he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, the children's bread that he's talking about in this story is healing. The lady came up. She wasn't a Jew. Jesus was sent to the Jews first. That's why they had a little bit of controversy here. And the woman said, look, I need healing. He says, not good to take the children's bread. Now, today, are we children of God if we're born again? Do we have a right to daily bread? Yes. yes, absolutely. And what Jesus proclaimed right here is that healing is the children's bread. So you ought to be believing God that I have divine supernatural health running through my body. It is a part of my daily provision. He said it's the children's bread. This is Jesus talking. Matthew 19, 2. It says, and large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Now, notice it didn't put any condition on it. It just said, he healed them there. Yeah. Well, how many you think them was? All of them. See, when we see God is good, and we accept him as a healer, and we're believing as faith in, as a child, then when we see a statement like that, we don't let our corrupted flesh come in and go, well, I don't know how many he healed. We, our childlike faith goes, man, if he healed them there, he healed them all. Okay, this is, this is how we can get messed up on some stuff as we start to logic all of this stuff out instead of having faith as a child. Not on what I'm saying, but on what God's saying. Okay, and then it says this, uh, Matthew 4.23, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel or the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease. So how many diseases were being healed? Everyone. Was there one that wasn't being healed? Nope. And every kind of sickness among the people. Everyone. Matthew 4.24, the news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. How many? Them. All, right. And then it goes on to say this, uh, Matthew twelve fifteen. But Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Many followed him, and he healed them all. Right. Luke six nineteen. And all the people were trying to touch him, for power was coming from him, and healing them all. all. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. If he would heal all that would come to him, then he's healing all that come to him today. Yeah. He's healing them all. It's who he is. Why? Because it's his character. Yeah. It's his nature. 
This is who Jesus is. And we start renewing our mind to this. You start looking at sickness a different way. You start looking at disease in a different way. If I'm a child of God, healing is the children's bread. I have daily provision. The character and will of Jesus is a healer. Then all of a sudden sickness comes up to you and you start going, wait a minute, you don't belong here, sickness. This, this, what are you doing here? All of a sudden you start looking at it a different way. And what happens is you step out of fleshly thinking and seeing with eyes of the flesh and you step into spiritual thinking that's like a trump card. You, you, you step into the place where the power is where if you change the root in the spiritual, it will change the outcome in the physical. This is what Jesus has always been trying to get us to walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by spiritual means, not by a physical means. Amen? Amen. So, let's look some more at the character and nature of God. Psalms 103, verse 2. And verse 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. So right there, let's just stop there for a second. He's getting ready to tell us about the benefits of God. At what point does it stop being a benefit? All right, so let me, let me just ask this. Let's say that you had uh, health benefits at your job. You had a health plan, right? Let's say that the... Uh, you have benefits, right? Well, let's say you go to the doctor and then you go, go and you pass on that bill back to your health care provider, right? And they don't pay it. Who's on the phone the next day like, you better pay this benefit, right? Now, we will extend that in the natural, but we need to see it the same way in the spiritual. If this is a benefit of God, Lots of times, see, what we do is we say, well, God's sovereign, he put this sickness on me. Right. Hold on. Is that even in his nature? No. no. His nature is a healer. Yeah. Is, is, you know, would you put sickness on your child? No. no, that's silliness. We know that, and we still have some darkness in us. It's not even possible for God to do that. It's not even possible. So it's not God. So it's got to be something else going on besides this. And what you have in John 10.10 10 is the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and have it in abundance. So here's the thing. What's going on in this situation? The thief is coming and trying to steal revelation from you, trying to steal health from you. And then you have to recognize, just because you can't see them with your eyes doesn't mean it's not true. You have to understand that in the spiritual, there's two different sides, and they are at battle, and they've been fighting for quite some time. Now, one's defeated already, but he still tries. He's powerless unless he can get you to believe something. If he can deceive you and get you to believe something, what you t do is take the power that you have and you give it to him. Okay, so what he'll do is he'll come and he'll try to throw symptoms on you. And if you will say, oh man, I must be coming down with something. 
Oh, man. Whew. All of a sudden, what will happen is you just empowered that deception. But see, when you start to see these things, when you start to say, hey, there's benefits in God, then all of a sudden you go, wait, this ain't God doing this. Who is this doing this? It's the devil. And what do we do with the devil when he comes? We resist it. And so we say, oh, no, Lord, I, I do not receive that sickness. I do not receive that deception. Devil, get out of here. In Jesus' name, you start to know who you are. You start to know who the Lord is. You start to receive his benefits, and that stuff start, starts to go away. I know when I first got revelation of this, it didn't just happen all the time, just like that. And I still have times today where it's not just happening just like that. But I can tell you this, it started to become fewer and fewer times that I got sick. When I did get sick or the kids would get sick, man, we'd stand right up against it. And, it, you know, some people would be going through something for two months. We'd go through it for a week. So the time period was shorter and shorter. Why? Because we started standing up in this stuff. And what we started to believe in the spiritual started to become very real to us in the physical. So forget none of his benefits. And here's one of the things. In healing, let me go ahead and read uh, verse 3, who pardons all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases. Don't forget it. Now, you notice he says don't forget it. But what happens, what has been our history? Oh my, am I feeling warm? Oh my goodness. I, I must be coming down with something. Oh man. man. And immediately, what are we doing? Forgetting his benefits. We're supposed to keep it on our hearts, on our minds. We're supposed to keep the character and nature and love of God fresh. But the, the devil, because we've been taught that it's normal to get sick and that God might be teaching you something, we'll just like, it's like we open up the doors of our body and let, just let the devil throw in whatever symptoms he wants to and we don't shut the doors and we don't evict the problem. We just take it. And the devil's like, yeah, good job. Good job, Christians. Way to show the world who your Lord is. <laughs> so good. He's a rascal. He's a scoundrel. He's a bully. Recognize him for what he is and start slamming the door in his face because you don't forget who God is, that he's good, that he is love, that he is your healer. See, this is, the, this is the thing that's going on in the spiritual. You don't see it with your physical eyes, but this is actually what's happening. Look at this. Uh, again, I just said this, John 10.10, 10, thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is Jesus talking. He drew a line in the sand and said, look, if it's stealing, killing, destroying, that's the thief, that's the devil. But if it's life and life in abundance, that's me. And if it's me, then it's God. And if it's God and if it's me, then you're to become like me, follow my example to grow up into the fullness of me. It should be you too. Amen. 
In other words, we should not only start to learn how to get well in our own bodies, but we, because we're following Christ in Ephesians 4, it says, growing up into the fullness of the stature of Christ, then we should be able to walk and, and bring that healing with us. And it's not us, it's not our power, but we are representing something that's bigger than us. We are representing Jesus. And when somebody needs sickness, we can walk in and heal them all too. Through Christ. It's not through you, but it's through him. This is a design of God. This is why a lot of the world, you know, if people get sick, where's the first place they go to? The hospital, the doctor. Where should be the first place they go to? To God. But that's not a reality today in our society, is it? And part of the reason is because we have forgotten his benefits. We've forgotten who he is. We haven't been living it out, and we've just accepted it as real because that's what we were taught. And then if somebody comes and tells you the things that I'm telling you today, it's like, uh, who do you think you are trying to change everything I've been taught all my life? Well, somebody need to do it. Somebody need to speak the truth. It's what got Jesus in trouble. I'm willing to get in trouble for it too. And I have had people that have really just, I've had people cuss me out because I believed God was good. It's a big part of it is, is people will, I mean, it's like they want to hold on. That's the way deception works. Yeah. They want to hold on to that instead of believing that God's good. Are we believers or not? Because yeah, believe. if we're believers, then we believe like stuff, right? We believe things. And if we believe correctly on a good God, then we believe he's good. Yeah. Well, healing is good. Amen. And not only that, but he tells us over and over and over and over. Acts 10.38, look at this. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went... All right, so... Who was he anointed by? God, right? So this was not the devil anointing Jesus. Now, I know that seems elementary, but it's important to know where his power was coming from. Yeah. It's the same power that your power comes from. He was anointed by God. And the reason I'm going to say that is because a lot of people are like, well, God, God made me sick to teach me something. Mm -mm. Let's keep reading. He was anointed... God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he, Jesus, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by who? The devil. For God was with him. In other words, the only reason healing came is because God had anointed him and God was with him. The people that were oppressed were oppressed by who? The devil. John 10.10, 10, thief comes, steal, kill, and destroy. I'm come, they might have life. You see these two scriptures, and it's separated. It draws the line right there. It says that healing is doing good. Is God good or bad? Then healing is good. Healing is God. That's who he is. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil is coming to try and keep people in that place. But God came and he sent Jesus to bring them out of that place. Yeah. Turn to uh, Luke 4, 18. We'll probably start at 17. Or, ooh, wow. 
Jesus said this, he opened up the scroll, and then he said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now this is Jesus talking. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. In that verse we just read, it said that people are oppressed by the devil, that that sickness, and he set them free. The anointing of Christ was to set people free. Free, not to put them in bondage to teach them something, but to set them free. We've got to see that healing is freedom and sickness is oppression. Healing is provision and sickness is lack of health, lack of comfort. We've got to start seeing those. Those are some absolute things. Those are some absolute things. Now, let me, and I'm going to throw a little wrench in here, but does God allow you to get sick? Does he allow you to? There's a big difference between allow and make. Well, if he didn't allow us to, none of us would be sick, would we? So God allows it. Why does he allow it? Because we play a role in this thing. And let me ask this question. Does God allow people to go to hell? Yes, he does. Why? Because he's not going to override their will. He made you in his image, which was the ability to make choices and choose what is good or what is bad. He made you in his image, and God is love. Love demands a choice. In other words, I point a gun to your head and I tell you to do something and you're like, oh yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Out of force, that's not a choice. I'm, if I am force somebody to do something, I'm taking away their ability to do it on their own. I'm taking away their yeah. ability to love. Yeah. And if God just came in and he just made you do everything right, what he does is he completely strips your love and he strips out a part of the whole plan. The plan was to make people in his image that had the ability to see the difference between right or wrong and love on others and love on God and allow this love to take dominion and rule over the earth, to allow this love and this anointing of God to grow and rise, and so that we would reign in love over all of his creation. So he can't just step in and just make you do whatever he wants you to do. If he, if, because he set it himself in his sovereignty that he has given you that right. So God will allow you to get sick because God will allow you to make a choice. So at some point, there needs to be some believers that will say, well, I see the choice and I'm standing up for God. I will not stand for sickness. I will not stand for it. It's not right. It's not God. It's for this purpose. For this purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. Once you understand that healing is the works of God and sickness and disease is the works of the devil, you start to see this is why Jesus came.
to break it all. And part of that breaking that Jesus did was to break sickness off of humanity. To pay the price by his stripes, we are healed. To pay the price for healing to be in his people once and for all. And just think about this. Think about in heaven. You know, we talk about it a whole lot, the Lord's Prayer. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How much sickness is in heaven? Nope. How much sickness was in the garden before the fall? None. When you see the will of God poured out without hindrances of sin, healing is always there. That's his will. Well, are you redeemed from the curse? Or are you still stuck in it when you're a believer? You're redeemed. And part of the curse, if you go back and look at the curse, is sickness and disease. Every part of it. And Jesus redeemed, it, redeemed us from it all. So we see over and over and over and over and over again, and I'm, we literally could go to hundreds of scriptures on healing. I want to talk one more thing about God teaching us. I'll try to, man, this will be the, I need a time stretcher, I do. Sun stands still, amen. Um, have you ever heard, I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about Paul's thorn real quickly because this is a huge hurdle for some people to get healing. Anybody ever heard about Paul's thorn? Yep. Okay, so let me just read this scripture in 2 Corinthians twelve seven. Before I get into it, if God was teaching us, and let me just throw this at you. If God was teaching you something by putting sickness on you and, and not taking it off of you, right? Then you're going, if that's true, which it's not, but if it is, and you're going to the doctor, do you realize you're going in opposition to God? Because you're trying to get healing that God didn't want you to get healing on. So in other words, if that's true, you better not go to the doctor because you're putting yourself in opposition to God. So if you want to play out the logic of this thing, you go right ahead. As for me and my house, we're going to believe God's a healer because he said it. Not because I want to, because he said it. But God, if God was teaching you something, you'd go on to the doctor. You're just in complete opposition to God. He's trying to teach something. Might, might as well suck up the sickness and learn something. <laughs> suck it up now. But that's not what any parent would do to their child. Their parent would get them healed, and then they would take them to the side, and they would teach them as a loving parent would. Now, here's the, here is something. Will God teach you something in it? If you're rebellious enough to, to see that God's a healer and you still take on, healing, take on sickness and don't push away healing and don't resist the devil, well, I'm telling you, the pain that's in your body, it will, you know, will kind of help you to pay attention when God speaks next time. And the Lord will use that. It wasn't his will, but he will use it to teach you something. Because a good daddy is going to use anything to help you grow. But that wasn't his will. He could have taught you that without you having to go into sickness. That was our fault. Yeah. 
for not taking our authority. We must believe first in his goodness and love. That sets the tone. His goodness and his love sets the tone for every promise. When his goodness and love heals all diseases, then we can understand that his teaching will not go against his nature. Let me say that again. When, goodness, when his goodness and love heals all the diseases, then we can understand that his teaching is not going to go against his nature. His nature and his character is his nature and character. If he's a healer, then he's not going to break his character to teach you something. Because he is who he is. He won't hold back healing to teach, but he will use a bad situation to teach. So let's read this. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 on Paul's thorn. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that Paul was receiving... For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me, and he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is for perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. All right, so people use this to get into a false uh, humility, and they're like, Oh, I'm just going to be weak before God. Ah, this stinks, but I'm being humble. That's a bunch of junk. That's a bunch of... You, you're throwing away the character and nature of God by believing it in that way. You need to see what's actually going on right here. What's going on right here is Paul is moving in such revelation that the devil doesn't like it. And the first thing to look at is this. Who sent the buffeting messenger. It's a messenger of who? Satan. Not God. Because the way that this is preached is God sent, he, sent him, he kept him from exalting himself, so he put sickness on him. I've heard this preached. God put sickness on Paul so that he wouldn't get the big head. So that he wouldn't get prideful. And he wouldn't take it off, and he said, my grace is sufficient, so you just need to suffer through it, Paul. Suck it up, boy, this is for your own good. And we hear that, and you know, somebody spends enough time on it, and we all walk out going, oh, Lord, help me, buffet me, put sickness on me. And the devil goes, oh. yes. Look at all these people I can now throw sickness on. They'll think it's God and blame him. Let's look at a couple of things. First of all, who sent the messenger? It was not God. All right, so here's the other thing. Let's just go through it. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. All right, these revelations are coming from who? It, now he says, because of the surpassing greatness of revelations. So in other words, 
God is going to try and stop his own revelation from coming out. Now, so we're, that thinking is off already, right from the first sentence. For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself. Now, this says exalting myself, and this is one of those areas where I believe the translators had an idea of where this was supposed to go, but their doctrine may have been off. Because if you look at a literal translation, it actually says to keep me from being exalted. Not from me exalting myself but to keep me from being exalted. In other words, if the devil didn't stop Paul, the revelation was going to throw him up into a place where the whole world was going to hear about God's goodness really fast, God's grace, because grace was the revelation. So what he was saying was, look, the devil's trying to stop me from being exalted so that the word of God gets out here. This is just a plan of the enemy. Therefore, I was given a thorn in the flesh. Well, is God going to allow sickness? Yes, he'll allow it. Will he do it? No, it's against his character and nature now that we've established that. So, and how they get around this, a messenger of Satan, I'm sorry, God does not send Satan to do anything. You're talking about if he does that, the kingdom's divided, we're all, it's going to fall, you might as well not be believing in him anyway. This is silliness. This is bad, horrible logic, okay? It says, the messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Again, that, that there is to keep him from being exalted. Now look at here. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Now, here's, here's the question. Most of y'all will know this. But the devil has come to torment Paul. Paul knows this. Whose job is it to resist the devil? Paul's. Paul's, not God's. God will move on Paul's behalf as Paul stands up in his authority. But the word says, you resist the devil and he will flee. So Paul went three times and said, oh God, please take this from me. But what was supposed to be happening... Lord, I know who you are, I know who I am in you, and in Jesus' name, leave. Yeah. And Paul was doing it the wrong way. And he has enough revelation that he was... But, you know, sometimes you just get down in that. And then the Lord says to this, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient, sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Now, how this has been preached wrong is, you know, My grace, because I love you. And you're eternally going to be with me. Take this suffering for me right now. And that sounds good in a romantic, worldly logic. But let's just, you know, we've been talking about humility and grace on Wednesday nights. And we've been talking about James 4, 6. And it says, but God has given us a greater grace. Now, what was the grace greater than? The problem, right? He's given us a grace that's greater than the problem. And it says, for God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace and he, to the humble, right? So here is Paul going against the word of God by saying, God, you fix it, instead of resisting the devil himself. So is this pride or humility? It's pride. 
Now, he's in pain, and, and God's merciful, which is why God said this to him, because the proper way to look at what God said was, my grace has already been poured out on you. Paul, apply my grace. And you will see that even where you are weak, I will be strong. Amen. Well, that changes, the whole, that changes the whole look of this passage. Yes. Most gladly, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. What he's saying here is he's saying, look, what I'm going to do is I realize and recognize I can't cast the devil out all by myself without him. I can't get rid of sickness without Jesus. I'm weak in that area. But the Lord tells me, let the weak say that I am strong in Christ is what it's talking about. Let the weak say I am strong. His grace is sufficient for me. Now in the name of Jesus, devil, go. And he's got to go. This is what's happening here and how this you know, false humility in religion has turned and twisted it and it's planted this evil thought and deception in the hearts and minds of men that God did it, that God wanted him to stay that when the whole purpose of grace was to set them free. The purpose of grace was not to cause them to suffer in it. The purpose of grace was to break bondages, kill sickness, set them free. God's not taking sickness to try and teach you something. He will use it to teach you something if you won't get out of it. But this thorn is never supposed to stay. It's supposed to be cast out. That's enough for today. Lord, we just thank you. Right now, you know, the word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've just heard some on healing. Lord, so faith has arisen in our hearts and in our minds on healing. So right now, if you have sickness in any part of your body, anywhere, you just lay hands on yourself. It says those that believe will lay hands on the sick. It didn't say you didn't have to be yourself. And they shall recover. So Lord, right now, we receive healing in our body. We receive healing in our mind. We receive healing in our soul. Lord, we praise you. We thank you that your will is done. Sickness, leave right now in Jesus' name. In the grace of God, we stand up as authorized children, citizens of the kingdom of God, and say, devil, you got to go. You don't belong here. We receive the grace of the Lord that's greater than any problem right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Freedom be. Hallelujah. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you in just a few minutes.